Today on the show, we're talking about retiring to a small town. Welcome to another episode of Simple Money Solutions. This is episode 33. And Simple Money Solutions podcast is your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. Trevor, welcome back. So before we delve into today's topic, what is your initial thoughts on retiring to a small town? Well, I'm a huge fan of this this concept. I mean, it, like the article says, it's not for everybody, but I think retiring to a small town, it, it's going to help people either retire on time, retire at all, or retire early. So I think it, it's something everyone should or could consider. Definitely have to agree with that. The There's two couples that are in this article where we're really basing today's episode off of. And that article, it's actually called Moving to a Small Town Can Refund fund your retirement it's but it's not for everyone this is by camila cornell from the globe and mail and we will have it in the show notes so that you can refer to it for afterwards we're not going to read it but it's there in our show notes if if you do want to refer to it so the two couples in this article one is actually both are from toronto but both have a different story about their experiences in a small town one couple loved it and one couple could not stand it so before we even delve into what the meat of this topic, I do want to get it away first that um, it, this one couple, they were in, working in Toronto and the, the, the wife of this one couple was working a corporate marketing position. First off, why why is this? This isn't really related to today's episode, but I do want to note this, that why does corporate, the, if you attach the word corporate to anything, why does it get such a bad rap? Well, the, you know, if you think of a, a corporation, I, I've read this before, the psychological profile of a corporation, because a corporation is a legal entity, a legal person, really. So if you look at the psych- psychological profile of a corporation, it mimics a serial killer, not a word of a lie. So it is just motivated by profits and greed and and self-actualization. So it, a corporation is is everything evil if, if it were a person. So uh, it's easy to, to put a bad spin on a corporation because they're, they're created for the sole purpose of, of generating money. So Trevor, the, the premise of the article is that this couple, again, like I said, wanted to retire to a smaller town. But what pushed them to do that was they, the, the wife, Miss um, Gerwick, she wanted to retrain as a real estate agent and get out of, again, like I said, the corporate marketing position she held. So she she spotted a really nice um, three-bedroom home in a smaller town. Um, and she wanted to, they, her and her husband wanted to move there. But part of the push to move there was that while she was retraining as a real estate agent to take on a new position, she had a, they had acquired some debt. And they thought that the only way to kind of leave this debt behind them was to downsize their home and and really really we reap that benefit of the return on invest, the investment by selling your home so is this something that we're seeing a lot of today well i live in a small town and i'm seeing a huge influx of people from the city moving here and it is in fact driving up real estate costs in in my small town i'm about an hour east of toronto and uh, it's not maybe an hour and a half it's not really commuting distance so i'm seeing a uh, a huge influx of retired people moving here and their housing dollar is going incredibly far compared to living in the city and some of the people I've met they've they've actually pursued early retirement because of that now moving to a small town you don't have to wait till you retire it, it's something you can do at any point in your life but earn the 
the income earning potential is is what's the the wild card you know the the, the item to be resolved there obviously in a small town there's fewer job opportunities so uh, but uh, one way to look at it is you you may earn less in a small town, but it'll cost you less to live there. And it costs you less in a whole bunch of ways. It's going to cost you less in real estate. And it's probably in, it could potentially cost you less in transportation costs if you, if you work locally. Uh, there's, um, I'll, get, here, I'll give you a little story. For I moved from the city to this small town 20 years ago. And we, the reason we did it is we had twins. And my economically, the, the prospects of us sending our kids to daycare and both going to work just mathematically didn't make sense. So we had to come up with a plan. We both needed to work to support the lifestyle we had in the city. But if I could find, one of us could find employment in a, in a lower cost area, then one of us could stay home and raise those twins. So that's what we did. I, I ended up finding a job in this small town um, that ended up paying quite well. And we we moved here and and my wife stayed home and raised our ch- their, our children we ended up having 3 and um the lower cost of living made that all possible and i did that in my 30s so i didn't wait till i retired so you know our podcast we've rebranded it as intentional lifestyle decisions well that was an intentional lifestyle decision i created that life in the city and it wasn't going to work anymore so i created another life in a small town that did work. I absolutely love that, Trevor. And it's something where you're taking your situation into your hands and making the correct adjustments so you're not a victim of of debt, saying, oh, well, throwing your hands up in the air and saying, this is the way it has to be. You instead took hold of the situation and made deliberate lifestyle changes to make sure you didn't accumulate the debt, to make sure you lived that life you wanted to live. I love that. Well, and how many people did you hear say, you, you know that life has dealt me a bad hand, or um, you know that the it, it's just getting so unaffordable to live here. And people end up the 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 release valve for all those lifestyle challenges ends up being debt. And it, it if when you have debt that supports lifestyle, that is the most dangerous debt because that is debt that continues to grow, and there there's no end in sight. So you you need to deliberately you know, find a lifestyle you can afford. And, and that's what I did. And it's, it's worked. And now when I go to retire, the, the downside is, you know, for me to, to move to an even smaller low cost area where I may be able to utilize some of the equity in my home, that, 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 that option's kind of off the table because I'm, I'm already in a low cost small town. So I, I can't really downsize from that or move to a low cost area because I've already, sort of used up played that card so that that's the one downside if we are looking at that from that angle of when to play that card is it better then to stick it out in in, in a higher higher area where it's higher to live and then be able to like pull that card just like this couple did when they were accumulating debt and then rid themselves of that debt later on in life or do you recommend the solution you t- took as in moving to an area where you you could live a lifestyle that wouldn't accumulate as much debt because you're living in a, in a lower priced house in a lower priced area. Well, one of the one of the downsides to to a low cost area is the, the job opportunities. And if you if you're in a small town where there's just one or two major employers, and one of them folds up, two things happen: is a whole bunch of people lose their jobs, and 
a whole bunch of people that put their houses up for sale as they they move to find another job. Well, when all those houses go up for sale, it, the bottom falls out of the real estate market. So you kind of you lose, you know, exponentially. You your losses start to mount in a hurry. So when things go bad in a small town, they go bad in a hurry, and they go bad in a real bad way. Whereas in the city, I mean, if if your employer went out of business or you lost your job, will you pull out your driveway, you turned right? Well, you find another job, you pull out your driveway, you turn left, and you go to a different place, but you, you continue to live in the same house. The other benefit of living in the city is um, I follow real estate quite closely, and, and real estate prices, they, they tend to, uh, the, the, your equity builds much at a much faster rate in the city than it does in a small town because of the demand on the real estate market. So that's a an added benefit of staying in the city longer and building up even more equity. It's your your investment's just going to do better in a, in the city. Trevor, as a disclaimer to our listeners, was living in a small town and maintaining a family and a home in that location did that add stress to your life as you were trying to maintain your job because you knew that you had so much invested in the small town? Yeah, that well. So we kind of, me and my wife said, you know, so when, when our kids started school, we said, okay, we, we're, we're not going to move. That's this too hard on kids. And then we kind of dialed that back when they started school and said, you know, when they started high school, we won't move. That, that, we drew that line in the sand and said that, you know, we, we, it would be unfair to move our kids once they started in high school. And it turns out we never moved from, our, from this small town. But the, there was a lot of peaks and valleys with my working in a small town. Like I say, the... It seemed to, the place I worked was always on the edge of, you know, there's always a rumor it was going under or going out of business or they were going to close the, the facility I worked at. That seemed to be a constant rumor for as long as I've worked there. Um, the more time went on with those rumors, the less I believed them, but it, it added stress to your life for sure. And it and then one of the other risks is my wife staying home, raising kids. Uh, we were a one-income family and you got all your eggs in one basket you lose that one job, it's game over in a hurry. So I, that that's another risk. Would you recommend to listeners, though, that that risk is worth taking? Or would you recommend that sanity sanity alone, is it better working in a city somewhere with more jobs? Well, it kind of depends what you do for a living, too. I mean, it's it's a, a lifestyle choice. It, it worked for us, but it, if, you, if you enjoy uh, c- city-like activities, live theater, sporting events, uh, trade shows, those are all happening in the city, not in a small town. So if that's your thing, um, you know, fancy restaurants, if, if that's what you enjoy doing, you're probably going to uh, enjoy yourself more in the city. So I, I, I think it's a definitely a, a choi- an individual choice. I do want to touch on the difference of level activities that are available in s- bigger cities as opposed to small towns in a few minutes. But first, I do want to ask you, this whole idea of really deriving value from the equity in your home. I mean, this is going to be a generalized statement, but Trevor, would you consider that as taking the easy way out of living a frivolous lifestyle and spending more than you should just because you know you have this security in your back pocket? Well, no, I don't I don't think so because you, you had to have um, made sacrifices to, to pay down that, that mortgage and build up that equity. And if your house was... In, in the city, it costs more. Well, it was even more of a challenge. So I don't see it's the easy way out. You know, a lot of people, when they talk about their net worth, they include the value of their home in that number. And unless you plan to sell that house and downsize, 
it's not an investment. It is just a house. It's a place to live. So if you own a house and you plan to never move, don't call it an investment and don't call it part of your net worth. But if you do plan to tap into that equity by downsizing or moving to a lower cost area, then it is an investment. So I don't consider it an easy way out. I mean, if you were to make all the sacrifices to pay off a house in the city, you will have probably made greater sacrifices than somebody would have to pay off the same house in a small town. So I don't see that as an easy way out at all. I, I see that as a, a just as tough a road to hoe. We are fortunate enough to be in a housing bubble, fortunate being those who are selling their houses is a good time for them. But when you invest in the real estate market, in my in my perception, it's it's a slippery slope because your house might devalue by the time you go to sell it. So is that really a smart and smart way to invest your money, thinking that, oh, when I sell this, I'll be able to make a return on my investment? Well, you know, the the real estate market is an incredibly long cycle you know, as an investment tool. If you think of, if you look at the equity markets like the TSX, it's a, it's a very short investment cycle, meaning from a bull market to a bear market is, you know, maybe a window of five or six years and you see extreme peaks and valleys. But the real estate market from an investment standpoint is like a 25-year cycle. So a lot of people in the real estate market all they see is this bubble. They've never seen the the bubble burst or the you know the the tail end of the the cycle. I, I've actually had the luxury of seeing it once and being part of it. Um, back in the late '80s, we were in a housing bubble, 1980s, and it peaked around 1990, 1990 or 1991, and then it burst, and housing values fell off dramatically. And for the people that were hit the hardest. It, it was 10 years before they recovered the, back to their initial investment. Again, that's a long recovery period. So real estate is, is it's a risky investment in, in the long term, which sounds kind of odd. But in the short term, you're not going to, you know, in 10-year increments, you're probably not going to get burned. So I think it's a relatively safe investment, but you have to know it's a cycle. They just, houses just will not continue to go up and up and up. It's a it's a it's a financial market in itself, and every market has a boom and a bust. Trevor, uh, moving moving along the article, I find this really interesting, and it is that debt levels among seniors are rising. So this is a direct quote. Uh, there's fewer Canadians that have a workplace pension, so there's an increasing number of individuals needing to fund their own retirement. So, and it also says that seniors are entering retirement more indebted than ever. And my big question is why? Well, you know, the, this housing boom is, is maybe part of it. I know people that are in their early fifties. So my my parents actually did this. So people, they have this dream home uh, concept in their head that, that they they want to live in this luxurious McMansion. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I I I had similar aspirations at one point in time too. And they can't afford it and they live a very frugal, diligent life. But when they finally can afford it, they, they go out and, and buy it. And that usually comes when they're empty nesters, when they need the space the least, but they can afford it the most. And I know, I personally know, I don't know, three, four, maybe five people that have gone out in their early 50s and bought a 3,000 square foot home with uh, five bedrooms or four bathrooms 
And the only people living there is, is the husband and the wife. The kids are off at school or they moved out on their own. Now, it's a great thing for having family come back to visit for holidays and stuff. But it it's a lot of house for two people. It's a lot of work. Um, and it's a lot of money. So, uh, you know, if you, if you get into a, a $200,000, $300,000 mortgage in your early 50s, well, guess what? You're probably going to retire with some debt. Or, you know, and so... Maybe you could downsize after that, but I know people that are have done that or, or are doing that, and and I so I, I can see this happening, and, and I've, I've I'm laying witness to it as well. So going off of that, you would say that when when individuals finally start to have money when they're older and they paid off their mortgage and things like that of of the home they're currently living in, there's other two strategies: one, invest in this too big home and use all of all of the money that you had or B invest in something smaller and less expensive and get the return on the investment when you sell the home you were living in. It's, it, and it sounds like what I'm getting from this Trevor is that option B the latter um, is, is what, is what people are now going towards. Well, you know, real estate looks like a great investment right now because we're in a boom, but I think you can do better uh, with your money in, in equities, like the stock market. I, I think there's a, a more predictable uh, return and you know when 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 the market busts any market that's the opportunity when you have money to make money so there's going to be more opportunities in the stock market to make and I'm not coming off as a stock market expert these are things I've read is because there's more booms and busts in the stock market there's more opportunity to make money there's also more opportunity to lose money but uh, in a housing market it's a slow steady climb I mean right now it's it's going up pr- pretty uh, pretty quickly, but th- that's not going to last. So, I mean, I think right now is the worst possible time to buy a house, it, for it, it, and especially if you're doing it as an investment, because uh, you're you're buying it at, at, at the very high peak of the market. So, I think there's better ways to invest your money. I think there's better ways to uh, build wealth than than buying real estate. And I, on that note, Trevor, I think that's one of the points that we are trying to hammer home on this podcast lately, at least within the housing bubble, that don't be afraid of renting, especially in the economic times of today. Honestly, I feel I feel like maybe for some some of our listeners out there or some individuals, the 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 wanting to have a home and making the sacrifices to purchase one in these in these not so great economic times of the housing bubble is is just not going to be good on the pocketbook at the end of the day. Well, you know, we read the we did a show on the wealthy renter. And you know, owning a house is an opportunity cost. I mean, you you're choosing to you know use that money to invest in real estate invest instead of investing in the stock market. It it turns out it's a place you could live as well. But I I think that owning a house is a lifestyle choice. And, and is a lifestyle choice first and investment second. So I think we're kind of get buried in the weeds t- talking about real estate as, a, as an investment. It, it is without question, but I think it's a place to live first. No, I'd have to agree with that. Um, we are gonna, we're going to jump back to housing, but there's, a, there's another thing that I wanted to note about, about uh, older Canadians living with debt in that in this article says, quote, a high percentage of older Canadians, including those arguably on the cusp of retirement at 55 to 64, felt they have not saved enough, end quote. So is this not saving enough phenomenon? Is this new for this generation that's retiring or has this always been kind of this ongoing, ongoing problem? Well, we always talk about 
generations sort of following the generation before them because it's all they really have uh, a vision of. And the generation that's already retired, they're retired with pensions. And, and so we didn't watch them save up money. We, we watched them pay off their mortgage maybe s- slower because they knew they had pensions to, to, to rely on. The people retiring today, a lot of those people don't have company pension plans and, and they're going to need uh, savings to live off of. So I, I think this is a new phenomenon for sure. And, and I, I think that that's kind of what's driving it. So in a sense, the whole, I mean, we always say that with how fast times are changing, it's really hard to look to your the, your parents or their previous generation and say, I'm going to do exactly what they did because we know that's not a realistic approach. But to this point, it, times are really changing. And and maybe I would say moving along very quickly due to the changing economic economic conditions because we are such a globalized world today. So I think that may be more of an issue than it was prior. So let's get back to the issue of living in a small town. So in this article, it says many smallish communities is where people are moving to from larger cities and that it's attracting attracting seniors. So Trevor, let's sort a couple of reasons why a small town looks attractive to to be a place of retirement well it's there's there's i mean it again it's a it's an individual choice but there's there's a lot less hustle and bustle there's a you know you can there's a more uh, sense of community in a small town these are my experiences uh there's more um everything moves at a slower pace so if that sounds appealing it, it is for you Picking the right small town. So the small town I'm from, it is a a small town of just under twenty thousand people, but it's the center for the entire area. So, given the size of the town, we have an, a huge amount of amenities here. Given that twenty thousand population, more than than would make sense if you just drove into this town. You say, "Wow, what's with all these uh, commercial, you know, buildings like the WalMarts and Home Depots and and you know all these shopping stores and and car dealerships that it just doesn't make sense when you see a town this size with all those things but it's because it's the center for a much larger area of rural towns surrounding it so it's a pretty unique environment so in this article they talks about two two different people uh, one couple moved to Coburg Ontario and as it turns out I'm from Coburg Ontario and we have an incredible amount of amenities, like I mentioned. And the other couple moved to Collingwood, Ontario, which is north of Toronto. And I've been there before. And that's not really the center of an area. It's actually a vacation destination. And it doesn't have a lot of amenities. So I think people may find uh, living in Collingwood a different experience than living in Coburg. And that's primarily because... it, one, it's great to be in a vacation place periodically, but to live in it, I think it would get tiring. Again, you'd have a lot of an influx of tourists on the weekends and in the summer, and you know that could throw your routines out of whack. And another another thing about uh, a small town is uh, Coburg is right on the 401, which is the main highway through Ontario, and so you can get anywhere like you could get into the city in a in a in a relatively easy fashion by getting uh getting on the highway and in you're you're an hour and a half in up in Collingwood it's I mean it you can still get down through highways but it's a little more challenging so small towns that are 
off major thoroughfares, like major highways, that, that creates a challenge as well. So you have to be selective in picking that small town. There, you, if you pick the wrong one, you'll have a really bad experience. Trevor, I absolutely love everything that you just said there. And I want to unpack um, a lot of it. So the first one is, I think, like you mentioned, it's so critical that individuals are really doing the research and understanding what they value, what's important to them, and how they can derive that from the new location they move to. Because like you said, you can move into very small towns that are live up to their name of being a small town, but then you can also move to this like you said, Coburg, where it's more of a community, there's more amenities, and it's almost, I would say, maybe the little, the literal shrunk down size of a, of a bigger city. Well, you don't want to be in what I call a bedroom community, where you're just close enough to a major city where everyone uh, lives in this, in a smaller town and commutes into the city. And because the bedroom communities, they generally have no amenities. And when I say amenities, they're not going to have theaters, they're not going to have major shopping malls they're not going to have like i mentioned car dealerships is a big one if you if you buy a car and you need to get it repairs you don't you don't want to be driving an hour to get your car serviced under warranty so having having car dealerships local i mean if you're in a bedroom community you're going to have none of that you're going to be constantly traveling for you know all the time to the city to get what it is you need or, or get so you move to a small town and you'll probably feel like all you're doing is driving and driving and driving. So it, there, there's a downside to that. And let's remember on top of that, that getting the return on your investment is not about how big of a return on investment can I get? Therefore, how small of a town can I move to? What are the lowest house prices I can get? In that equation, you have to factor in more than just monetary value. You have to factor in how will you feel in this new place? What are your emotions toward this new place? Will you be happy there? I think those are in a sense, equally as important as how much money can I make on the sale of my home with the purchase of my new one. Another consideration is uh, your proximity to family and friends. So you don't want to move uh, away from your family, uh, you know, four or five hours away, and you only see them on, on holidays and stuff. So there's a trade-off. You, you, you don't want to move too far away to be from away from family and friends, but you, you want to be far enough away that you've got, you've got a lower cost base. So that that's a trade-off as well another phenom that's another phenomenal example because at the end of the day like we always say personal finance is less of a math equation and more of a we say behavioral but in this case it's it's more of it's really not math uh, because if you did if you did this if you moved based on math you would end up in this very 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 small town where you might not be happy so again factoring with friends and family the things that, that allow you to thrive and make you feel happy, if you isolate yourself from all of that, you're not going to be happy. No, I, I think if you did it purely on math, you'd probably end up somewhere in northern Ontario in some Arctic outpost that, you know, you were all alone and that that's not very healthy either. So it's it, it's definitely, um, there's a compromise to be made. And absolutely nothing against that northern town or city, but... If, you, if, if you're not used to living that life, if you've been grown up in that very northern city, nothing wrong with that, of course. But if you're coming from the a metropolitan area such as Toronto and moving to something, in your opinion, is very extreme from your current living conditions, it is going to be a little bit of awakening and maybe one that you're not ready for. And again, like this couple from Collingwood, they weren't ready for the small town and they got a really bad taste in their mouth because they moved to this vacation destination where... Probably there wasn't a lot happening in the off seasons. So 
you are going to get a bad taste in your mouth and you're and this couple actually ended up moving back to Toronto where they hadn't sold their home and just moved back into that and sold their chalet that was in Collingwood. I do want to expand off that, Trevor. I was going to say that's a good safety net to have. That's a luxury that that couple had that maybe a lot of people don't. But what you might want to consider is renting in a small, you know, before you, if you move anywhere, I I, I would, unless you have to, I would discourage buying and, and rent for at least a year to learn the town and, I mean, there's always this imaginary line in any given town where there's there's a the good part of the town to live in the bad part of the town, and it's it's never obvious. You know, you you can never drive. Rarely can you drive through a town and see that line. You actually have to live there, and and understand where the better areas of town are and the worst areas of towns because a lot of different reasons will drive. You know, why a place is better to live area of a town is better to live than another, but I think. If you could, you know, move to a small town, rent, and see if you'll like it. And if you don't, you, you still have your house in the city. If you if you sell your house in the city, move to a small town, and you start tapping into that equity and using it as income, you get to the point where you can't undo that. You can't go back, you know, without it costing you significant money. And if you've already retired, well, you've given up your ability to, to pay down debt, you know, substantially. So I, it, it's a... But by doing this, you, you really want to be sure because it, it, it ends up being a pretty one-way street. That's a phenomenal point you brought up, Trevor, because it, it definitely does take a while to really learn about the little nuances of every small town and the the prices in that real... Well, you know, in, in a small town, the nuances are even more subtle. You know, in a city, I, I think the, the, a lot of times they're more obvious. But in a small town where I live, just walking... You can have a, a $200,000 swing in house prices. You don't even have to get in your car to see that. You can walk from one na- subdivision or neighborhood to another, and real estate prices will have swung $200,000. And you walk into the subdivisions, and you you know on the surface, I mean, just at a glance, I can't see the difference, but it it exists. And if you're if you're coming from anywhere else that's not that city you're moving to. And you're just looking at house prices online or talking with a real estate agent, you won't recognize that different areas of the town are are maybe more inexpensive because you're not really in tune with that town's house prices. So it could catch you off guard if you make a decision without fully being informed. And you can end up overpaying. You know, if you're comparing two houses and one is in a less desired neighborhood, but you you pay the you know the, the the a premium price for it because on the surface they, they it looks just as good as, as a house in a more desired neighborhood so you if you're doing you know you're from an investment standpoint you've hurt yourself definitely and i really do think that this is the like we said the time that you should really take advantage of the opportunity to rent because if you really look at it it's such a genius invention in that it makes you so mobile and and allows you to experience different parts of a city or a town or or anywhere you're living and you can just pick up and move like that so it really is this perfect perfect thing for people who are looking to downsize and just test out towns trevor i do want to ask you though i I just want to just on that so my parents ended up moving to this same small town i live in and they they had the luxury of, of coming to visit me and getting to know the town before they moved here so they were able to buy with very little risk and they've moved here and then they have friends that come out and visit them. And those friends had the opportunity to learn the town and experience it. 
and they moved out here without renting with very little risk so you know if if you have that if you, if you know people that live in a small town and you can go you know visit them for a week or a weekend a couple of times and get to know the town through them and on your own that's a great opportunity to know if it's a good fit or not that's a gr- really great point trevor i love that and I think that's something that should really be taken into consideration. I mean, we all trust our family and our friends' opinions. So, and again, because it is a very, in relative terms, big move, you definitely, it's great to rely on people you trust and believe in to give you a good interpretation and feeling of the place that they're currently living because I think that says a lot. Well, you you also have to take that with a grain of salt because most people, they're not going to trash talk the town they moved to where they bought a house. You know, you you got to sort of come up with your own conclusions because the people that live here are already invested in in, in the in the town and in their home and you know un- unless it's really horrible they're probably not going to tell you it's horrible like you know they might not bring your attention to all the downsides they're only going to really talk about the upsides so you do have to sort of find out for yourself you know i i would um i i would do a lot of investigating on my own and, and just take the information from my friends and family uh, as additional information. No, no, that that is that is a very good point. And on on the issue of the topic of looking yourself and doing some research, uh, we again, this is in the article, it will be in the show notes, but the top three places that um, people are moving to who are in the senior age group is Parks, Parksville, BC, Elliott Lake, Ontario, and Coburg, Ontario. So, I mean those are the top three, but I'm sure there's tons of resources um, on the internet that you can look into yourself and find out where uh, where you could be happy because that's where, I guess, a lot of other people are happy too. So, You know, I've never been to Elliott Lake. Uh, it's in Ontario, northern Ontario. But I got to think they have, you know, really short summers and really cold winters. Uh, and I, it's probably a really cl- low-cost place to live, but I don't get the, the idea of retiring there. I mean, if if any of our listeners are from Elliot Lake, I'd love to hear from you and just let us know what the attraction is there. I get the BC one because it's a warmer climate. And Coburg, which is uh, southern Ontario, right on the shores of Lake Ontario, which is relatively warm compared to northern Ontario. So it, I kind of get that. But Elliot Lake's always been a popular retirement destination. And I I just, I'd, I'd love to know why. I've, I've never visited it I'm in you know, if if one of our listeners could enlighten us to to what what the attraction is, I'd love to know. Yeah, that that would be amazing. So, Trevor, let's let's just theoretically look down the road at what these bigger metropolitan areas are going to be looking like after this housing bubble ends. Are they going to see a dramatic decrease in uh, population? I don't think you'll ever see that because that's where the jobs are, right? That's people need to people need jobs to work. So, I, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna see that. But I do think you'll see. Um, an erosion in in home prices in Toronto, and I, I you know, obviously, if I could predict it, I'd be investing in it, right? But it's got to happen because home prices in in larger cities are outstripping income by on a phenomenal rate. So there there has to be a correction at some point. And the the, the as prices go up, people are just more and more people are falling out of the housing market because they can't afford it. So that that's kind of you're going to start to reduce the demand. So it, it's going to happen. It, it has to. So Trevor, it's kind of interesting if you really look at it that this is the time that baby boomers are downsizing naturally. They're at the, the peak age to have a smaller home. But at the same time, this is house prices 
are incredibly high. So they're getting a phenomenal return on investment. So, so again, baby boomers is such a large part, such a large population that it's really working nicely in their favor. You know, it's funny. So I live in, in Coburg and according to this article, 26.5% of the people in my town are retired and they've built so many two bedroom homes in, in this town. I mean, every new home being built here is a two bedroom home and that's geared totally to the retired baby boomers, empty nesters. And I got to think that this is going to really influence the millennial generation's home buying decisions. They're going to end up buying all these two-bedroom homes that these baby boomers are selling when they move into nursing homes or retirement homes. And these two-bedroom homes, they're going to dictate the size of families that these millennials are going to have. You know, they're going to have a two-bedroom home. Well, you know what? We'll just have one child because we've only got one extra bedroom. You know, that, 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 that could be uh, a lasting legacy of these baby boomers that they've had on, on soci- our society. Oh, for sure. I mean, we definitely, I don't think we've even thought about the long-term implications of this massive generation and and really what they're leaving behind in their wake because it, 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 you're right, it is going to lay the foundation for, for future generations. Like when I bought my first house and every house I've ever bought, I, all I ever saw was three-bedroom houses and four-bedroom houses. I, I never, I, I cannot for the life of me recall ever seeing a two-bedroom house and saying, oh, I, I can't choose that one because it hasn't got enough bedrooms. They, they just, they didn't exist. So this two-bedroom homes is a is a new phenomenon that I, I think we're, and like the number of two-bedroom homes in this in my town is just, I, I, I can't believe how many there is. In fact, when I downsize, I'm going to be looking for a two-bedroom home. <laughs> and I, I, I wouldn't say baby boomers would be the only reason that families get smaller it kind of coincides nicely with the whole uh career centered individuals we're seeing today men and women who are really devoting more time into their career and education and therefore starting families later so that does really coincide nicely so in my opinion it's definitely a natural evolution that's actually working in society's favor so i do want to mention one last thing that is very important to just mental happiness and that is really enjoying the amenities that the new small town has to offer. So this one couple, the couple who moved to Coburg, loved that what Coburg had to offer. As you said, it's, it's filled with lots of amenities that that are maybe seen in a larger town or larger city, sorry. But that the other Collingwood couple didn't really enjoy that that everything that small how had small town had to offer. So. My question is a trade-off. Do you accept what this small town has to offer and change your lifestyle with it? I mean, can you really expect to live the same lifestyle you were living in this big town when you moved to a small city? Like, where's that sac- line of sacrifice? Well, it really depends on your motivation. I mean, if, if you need to tap into the equity of your house, your options are, are limited, right? You got to, you know, if you try to downsize in the city, you end up moving to what I call, I don't want to be too politically correct, but you end up moving to less desirable neighborhoods. So if you want to tap into the equity of your home and stay in a sort of a nice neighborhood, you're going to have to move to a small town. I mean, those are, but if, if you've lived a, a financially responsible life and you have options and you don't have to downsize because you have other sources of income, then, um, you, you know, you, it, the, you can make choices. So it really comes down to your, your, your situation and, and your need to, retire and your need for retirement income so you're saying your need for retirement income will kind of detect 
determine how happy you are with the reduced amenities you may have in your new small town. Well, you may not be any more or less happy, but you'll be, you, you'll know there was no other options. Uh, well, it, let's just say you're so tired of working that you need to retire. So continue working is not an option and you don't have enough income to retire on. I mean, you you get painted into a corner. I mean, you've only got so many choices. So I, I think it's hard to be unhappy when you didn't have, you know, you didn't have many choices to make. Speaking of choices. Do, do you know, I just, I just want to, we talked about a book before called Stumbling Upon Happiness. And in that book, it, it just, it just kind of, this is kind of relevant. Options or, or, you know, too many options, it leads to discontent. So having to make choices, you know, you would think having options, you know, should I stay in the city? Should I move to a small town? Having those options and then choosing one of them, you, you'll be so focused on the, the option you didn't choose and how it might have played out that, that it creates uh, a lot of, un, you know, discontent and un- unhappiness. So I just, so maybe choosing a small town by default is it maybe would help our listeners to know if this is for them no that's that's an incredible point and that branches off the, my final question in that do you think that Collingwood couple would have felt differently about Collingwood had they have sold their Toronto home you know that's actually a good point I never thought of that it kind of really played into that didn't it yeah it did yeah <laughs> so yeah you know what the fact that they had that safety net that option that backup plan they 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 looked at Collingwood with more of a critical eye. They were they were very judgmental about the lifestyle Collingwood is offering because they had this other option that they could fall back on. So they weren't all in. Exactly. You know, they were just in a they were just in a little bit, and that could have led to their unhappiness. So my thing about renting, maybe that's bad advice. Maybe maybe you need to go all in and and know that you know that this is my choice. I've decided. Right. And, and I, I'm not going to sort of just feel the water out with my toe. I'm going to go in with all in and just deal with it. And to your point on that, if you had a friend that moved to a small town, of course, they're going to say they like it because they have to say they just they like it because there's no other option there. It's, it's more. Permanent. They're all in. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, moving moving isn't actually permanent, permanent. You can obviously sell your home, but there's a huge transaction. But there's a cost. cost. Yes. Yeah. Huge cost to moving. Huge in. cost. And, and once, like I say, once you tap into that equity from your selling your home in the city, I mean, reversing all of that almost comes becomes impossible. So I guess we'd have to conclude that being all in creates more content individuals and more more individuals who are going to stick through with something because they committed to it. It's kind of funny how we just got there by uh, by accident. You know what I mean? Like we just just through conversation, we ended up on that point, which I, I it was in the article, but we kind of just conversed our way to that and i i it's an eye-opener to me yeah I definitely really a, think, a paradox I, I of how see, we went into this i didn't think this art this episode would, would conclude this way so i'm kind of enlightened myself yeah me too and uh we hope you as a listener are as well and let us know what you think about this issue let us know if you're you're no saying no renting is definitely the way to be or if you're like no trevor and courtney i do agree with you what you finally have decided that being all in is how you create the most content individual. And I would like to uh, put out an offer to our listeners. If if you have any questions about living in a small town, I got 20 years of experience. So feel free to um, reach out. And if you have any questions, you know, 
you know, if, you know, to see if it would be a good fit for you, um, feel free to touch base with me through all of our social media. Uh, Courtney will go through all of those, our email, anything like that. And I'd be more than happy to entertain any questions. Yeah, definitely the best way to get in contact with us with uh, detailed questions that are going to take up a lot of words, which we, we read every email that comes in. So don't hesitate to send us an email at live life simple 365 at gmail.com uh, i'll have all our social media links and our email in, in our show notes so don't hesitate again to reach out to us um in the future too we can always do an episode on um more small towns for for different demographics if you're uh a wor- working parents or or anything like that we'd love to do uh, an episode on that um yeah so I'd also, that I'd, I'd also like to say we've done a bit of an audio upgrade um, starting with this episode. So we had, we'd mentioned before we had some feedback that we had some audio quality issues and I, I, we've done some things to improve that. So I'd love to get some feedback from our listeners to see what they think of, of our current audio quality. Because we definitely, we appreciate having you around and we just want to make sure we're delivering the best content and quality for you, our listener, because you're definitely the most important and the reason the show is, uh, is doing as well as it is. So we appreciate having you along Make sure you are entering Sean Cooper's book giveaway for Burn Your Mortgage. It just came out earlier this month. So you can pick up a copy at Indigo or Amazon.ca. We'll have those links in the show notes along with Sean Cooper's um, contact information as well to learn more about him. And definitely if you haven't checked out our podcast interview with him, it was a phenomenal show. So definitely make sure you're downloading that and listening to it. And we hope to have more guests on the show in the future. We actually have a few more lined up that we'll share with you as that becomes more uh, solidified. And I think that's it for the show. Do you have anything else, Trevor? No, I just want to say the Sean Cooper episode is probably our, at this point, is our second most popular downloaded episode. So it, it's doing quite well. And uh, based on the downloads, I think um, our listeners are really enjoying it. So I, I, I recommend if you haven't listened to it, check it out. And uh, the giveaway for that book will be happening until the end of the month. We'll be announcing the winner on our social media and our website, livelifesimple.ca. All you need to do to enter that is go onto Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, enter with the hashtag burnyourmortgagegiveaway. Or if you're not on social media, that's totally okay. You can still enter. Just send us an email with burn your mortgage giveaway as our subject line. We'll get that and a random draw will be happening to determine the winner of our book giveaway for Mortgage March. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here with us. If you're returning, thank you for being here. And if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you back here next week. Until then, keep it simple.